Good morning, everyone. Our scripture reading this morning is from Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. I would encourage you to follow along in your copy of God's Word. Uh, if you didn't bring a copy with you, there are Bibles in the pew back in front of you, and it should be on page 528. So Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. <clears throat> my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. This is God's word for us this morning. <clears throat> Thank you, Jim. I also want to say welcome. If this is your first time with us on a Sunday morning or online, we are in week two of a new study on wisdom from Proverbs. So it's still early in the game. You can jump in with us and um, discover, dig into the most practical book, I think, in the Bible. It's so rich. Who doesn't want to be a good friend. Learn how to manage their resources. Succeed at work without climbing over everyone else. Like, who doesn't want to grow in virtue and discretion and godliness? We, we all want to know how to do life well. But so we said last week, Proverbs is going to get us there, but it's so much more than than practical advice. I really appreciate the way Brother Carey prayed. This is not a self-help series. We really want this to be a God-centered reading of Proverbs, not just, not just what, not just how can I succeed in life, but how can I live according to God's design, like His world that He made. And I threw a couple definitions up on the screen. I'll do that again today just to reiterate kind of what we're thinking and what we're doing. Wisdom can be defined this way. Just try to simply define what we're after. Learning how to live skillfully in God's world, the world He made, He designed, He knows how to help us live skillfully in His world. Or we called it the art and craft of discernment. Art, because it it does take discernment and finesse and creativity and, 
and different strokes here and there, and yet it's also a craft because it includes science and technique and, and, and method and skills that can actually be acquired to live well. So, when we talk about wisdom, we're talking about all of that, and, and we want to keep building out the concept this week. So, this week, uh, last week, chapter one, this week, chapter two, next week, chapter three, we're just trying to deepen our understanding of what wisdom is. And I want to add three things to, to your understanding this morning from Proverbs 2. Three things we would say about wisdom. Three more guiding principles about how wisdom works. Wisdom is discovered. Wisdom is a gift from the Lord. And wisdom is an acquired taste. Let's walk through those. Number one, wisdom is discovered like hidden treasure, verses 1 through 5. So, so just center back in on verse 4. Verse 4 really, verse four really captures this first segment well. Uh, verses 1 through 5 captured in verse 4. If you seek it, look at this, it, there is wisdom, that's the subject. If you seek wisdom like silver and search for it, try to discover it like hidden treasure, then you'll know the fear of the Lord. Then you'll grow in your understanding of who God is. But you do have to search for it. You do have to seek it. You should seek it. You should search for it. You should go after it like it's a rare commodity, a precious metal, a hidden treasure, so truly valuable that you hunt for it, you explore for it, you traverse as far as you can until you can get your hands on it. Like you're, you're on a treasure hunt. When you're going after wisdom, you're on a treasure hunt. Just like people search for gold, like think of your favorite pirate movie or national treasure or something like that. Just like people search for gold with a feverish passion, you know, you should go after wisdom. You should search for wisdom that passionately. There was a lady named Alice who, true story, she lived in the Pacific Northwest, just east of Vancouver in a small town in the late 1900s. Alice, still though, with her family and like others in the community, you could still kind of smell gold rush in the air. This is, you know, the Klondike gold rush era. Uh, it's about 100 years out of that, but it's still lingering. And people still kind of hope that they'll discover gold on their property. So she's in her backyard. She's in her late 40s. We don't have her exact age, but what account we do have. She's in her late 40s, maybe early 50s. She has a family. She's working the garden in her backyard. She's got a large boulder. And that boulder is so big that they're not going to move it. They're just gonna, she's going to build her garden around it. So she does. And this particular day, she decides she's going to beautify the boulder by just sanding it. So she gets some sandpaper. And she starts sanding. You see where this is going? She starts sanding that boulder. And a thin sifting of gold accumulates where she's working. And her heart starts to race. And she takes her finger and touches it. She's like, oh, this is real. And so she gets you know, into it, and she starts working and sanding, here comes more gold, and here comes more gold, and she's 
drenched with sweat. She's caught the fever. She's like, all the people I made fun of, I'm now one of them. It's real. And and she wipes her brow. She's like, something feels strange about my wedding band. The top half of her wedding band looked great. The bottom half of her band had been sanded down to a thin filament of thread. The gold that she valued so preciously for her own covenant marriage was now fool's gold sitting on top of a boulder. Treasuring the wrong stuff. That's how we operate. We treasure the wrong things. And so God, His Word, in His beautiful, amazing wisdom says, you should treasure me, my word, my way to live, my wisdom. You should treasure my wisdom as if it were more precious than gold or silver. Verse 4, search. Could you imagine searching passionately, feverishly for God's wisdom? And yet, as we search... As we discover, as we traverse, as we work, as engaged as we must be, it is not an unguided search for us. We have a map. We have a treasure map. We have a treasure map, and we call it the Word of God. And that's what's happening. Because look at verse 1. The father says to his son, a mother says to her daughter, if you will receive my words, if you treasure up my commandments. Now, you have to ask yourself as a parent or just as a Christian reading the Scriptures, whose commands, whose words are these? Clearly, this son and this mother, whoever's in in chapters 4, 5, and 6, whoever's teaching these words, these are not their words. They're not investing that much confidence in their words. Whose words are these? These are the words of God that have been handed down from generation to generation to generation. My son, verse 1 of chapter 2, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments, this is what, this is the word of God that's been handed down. I'm giving you God's word. That's borne out throughout the rest of Proverbs. That's the content of the word. It's never just the opinions or thoughts or family traditions of a man or a woman, a mom or a dad. It's the word of God that's being treasured and passed on. Verse 1, if you receive my words, if you treasure my commands. One of the most freeing things to me about Christian parenting is I don't, I don't have to make up the stuff I need my kids to learn. I just, if I treasure God's word and his words, his commandments... And if I plead with them to treasure, that's what's happening in 1 through 5, then I can just say, you know what, God, you gave these kids to us. They're yours. We're going to treasure your word, treasure your commands. We're going to teach them to treasure your word, and then, and then let them set sail. Easier said than done. But it is freeing to not have to come up with the curriculum for Christian parenting. It's right here. So if you want to know who God is, 
Fear of the Lord, verse 5. Understand him, know who he is, worship him, be in awe and amazed at who God is. Then you start by going after the hidden treasure that is God's word. And he promises that when you get, this is point number two, he promises that when you get to the end of the map where it says X marks the spot, something will be there. There'll be a treasure there because he buried it there long before and he wrote the map and he gave us his word. And so what we find at the end of the map is something God... So that's the link between verse 5 and 6. This is a helpful link, those of you who are really paying attention to the words in verses 5 and 6. The link between 5 and 6 is that we find, verse 5, what He gives, verse 6. You see it? We find, we discover what He buried there, what He gives in verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. Wisdom is a gift from the Lord. Wisdom is the treasure buried at the end where X marks the spot. In theological terms, we only discover what God in His kindness chooses to reveal to us. That's what we discover. We're not, these are not man-made discoveries. We discover what God in His kindness has chosen to reveal to us. Discovery and revelation always go together in the Bible, right? Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter. My Father who is in heaven, He has shown you who I am. So, that's why verse 6 is so important. The Lord gives wisdom. That's where it comes from. So, let's just pause here and do a quick introduction to Solomon. And I'm really looking forward to this. I'll see you in just a minute. Okay, we have a baptism coming up. We're doing it at the end of the service. A little different, but we're looking forward to it. Stay tuned. Where was I? Solomon, thank you. Somebody's listening. Wonderful. Let's do a quick introduction to Solomon because Solomon wrote most of the Proverbs that we have in the book of Proverbs. In fact, Solomon wrote lots of Proverbs. This is probably only about 10 to 15% of the 3,000 Proverbs that he wrote. So, where did he get this wisdom? Turning your Bible back to 1 Kings, and where are we going? Anybody know this? 1 Kings chapter 3. Some of you have read this over and over again. You know exactly where we're going. 1 Kings chapter 3. This is where Solomon got his wisdom. Wisdom is a gift. Listen, wisdom comes from God. Here's how it happened. 1 Kings chapter 3, you with me? Verse 5. At Gibeon, this is on page 282 in the Pew Bible. At Gibeon, the place Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, ask what I shall give to you, Solomon. And Solomon said, God, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and uprightness, and you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. He's talking about himself. And now verse 7, O Lord my God, you have made your servant, your servant king, 
in place of David, my father, but I don't feel ready. I'm a little child, he says. We don't understand him to mean he's 10, 11, 12 years old there. He's probably 20 or so at this point. He's saying, I, I don't feel ready. I don't know how to do this, to go out or come in. And I'm in the midst of your people whom you have chosen. I want to be your servant amidst this great people, too many to be numbered or counted. Give me, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your great people? And it pleased God that Solomon had asked this. And so God said to him, because you've asked this and have not asked for a long life or riches or, uh, or your enemies being conquered, you've asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. I'll do it. I'll give you that. And I'll give you even more than that. Behold, verse 12, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you who's been before you and none who will come after you. And I'll give you also what you have not asked for, riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you. And you will walk in my ways. If you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, then I will lengthen your days. Notice that it is tied directly again to God's word. The treasure of wisdom is tied directly again to God's word at the end, verse 14. And Solomon awoke from his dream, and though this was a vision and a dream, it quickly became reality. You can read about it in the, in the paragraphs and, and narrative that follows. And then it's summarized at the end of chapter 4 and verse 29. Flip forward to chapter 4, verse 29. Here's how the Bible summarizes this. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure. Now, you and I are not likely to have a dream tonight and receive the wisdom of Solomon. But that's okay. Because in some ways we have way more than that. Right? We have God's Word that is his wisdom spoken from his mouth. Like our theology of the Bible needs to come into play here. The Lord gives wisdom from, look at this, go back to, to chapter 2 and verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom, where does it come from? From his mouth, from God's word comes knowledge and understanding and truth and discernment and all that you're looking for. From God's word, the Lord gives wisdom, insight and discernment. Verse 7 says, he stores up sound wisdom. Where can I find the storehouse of God's wisdom for my life? In his word that comes from his mouth. Man should not live by bread alone, right? but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So we live by, feed on the wisdom of Solomon and so much more in God's word. Wisdom is a gift from God. And that's really important because that will undermine in a good way all of this sort of self-help and strategizing and planning and figuring everything out and yeah here's the third point i like this 
Wisdom is an acquired taste. See what you think about this. Verse 10. For wisdom will come into your heart and it will be pleasant to your soul. Wisdom and knowledge and discernment and understanding and insight, all the things we talked about last week. Wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Verse 10 is what happens when wisdom starts to work its way into your heart and soul. Your appetite changes. Your tastes change. Your desires mature. Your desire for godliness and truth and discernment is refined. You start to hunger and thirst for righteousness and you're satisfied. So what he says, be pleasant to your soul, he means when he says come into your heart and be pleasant to your soul, the, the writer here, Solomon, is saying in it, as he's the author of chapter 2, Solomon is saying when wisdom gets inside of you, body and soul, heart and soul, you're going, to be a, you're going to begin to taste the pleasant, satisfying, soul-satisfying desire in ways that you have never before really tasted. It'll be sweeter than honey, than the drippings from the honeycomb. So verse 12, evil talk, look at this, verse 12, evil talk and perverted speech won't taste as good anymore. 13, the ways of darkness will be less appealing to you. Has this happened to you? Is God's wisdom and discernment like changing what you long for? Look at verse 15. Crooked paths, devious, deceptive, lying kind of ways of life, that becomes, man, I don't, I don't like the way that tastes anymore. I don't like the way that, that feels in me anymore. Look, this is how wisdom begins to work for you. It, you. You take it into your life. It starts working for you. It starts changing you. So many of us were taught, so many of us were taught Christian morality in a way that only opposed our deepest desires. That's not how wisdom works. Wisdom will help you to fight some of your illicit, ungodly desires. But that's not all that it does. Wisdom comes in and starts to reorder and reorient and read, like your taste buds and your desires and your appetites. It changes them so that you are less and less enamored with sin. You're less interested. You're no longer just walking around looking for signs that say, do not, do not, do not touch, do not taste, do not. You're no longer, you're actually looking for the good stuff. You're eating and drinking and delighting in the good stuff. Like you're a different person. Um, delight yourself. We said, uh, Sam opened the service with taste and see, right? The Lord is good. Here's, here's another uh, Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. Finish this. Some of you know how to finish this. 
Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Wait a minute. The desires of your evil, sinful, ungodly heart? No. Delight yourself in the Lord, and God will reclaim your desires for Himself. And you'll have new desires. You'll have new appetites. You will begin to have the acquired taste of worship and humility and submission and all the things that characterize the Christian life. Like you will, you will be changed and you will love it. You will have, your taste will mature. Okay, let me, let me illustrate it like this. So you saw the team welcoming us this morning from Puerto Rico uh, or whenever it was recorded yesterday or to, I don't know when it was recorded, but they're welcoming us. So we have a mission team in Puerto Rico, when we, we love cross-cultural missions. Why do we love cross-cultural missions? There's so many good reasons to love cross-cultural missions. We, we go into the big world that God has made. God's made a huge world. Everyone in the world should have a chance to hear the gospel of Jesus. Do you believe that? So we go into this beautiful, huge world that God made, uh, cross-cultural missions, and we have to do that. We have to discover who they are. We have to learn their language. We have to, to, to discover their customs and their food and their dress and the way they show hospitality and the way they interact, like all sorts of cultural things, or else we can't really, you know, take the gospel in their terms to them. And so I love missions for that. Like anywhere you go in the world, you kind of start over discovering God's beautiful world and the culture he made and the people who bear his image. Well, in Puerto Rico, some of the things that we love about that culture are the music and food and the beauty of the place. And, and in the afternoons, this is something that's really cool. So in the afternoons, they take a coffee break and they have a, what's called, we would call it a cortado. Do you know what a cortado is? It's like a, it's like a mini cappuccino. So a cortado is about half espresso, half milk. It's maybe four, you know, four ounces, six ounces, somewhere in there. Uh, technically, I think it's four. They call it a cortadito. It's, it's just a double shot of espresso with some steamed milk, and it'll change your life. <laughs> now, here's the thing. When I was 10 years old, I didn't want to have anything to do with coffee, right? Coffee's bitter. Coffee is an acquired taste, right? But if you, if you say, hey, at 1 o'clock this afternoon, I'm going to pull you a really smooth double espresso, I'm in. Coffee is an adult taste. Listen, wisdom is an adult taste. Wisdom is an acquired, mature taste. If you want to grow up in, if you want to grow up as a person, not to mention as a believer, if you just want to grow up as a person, you need wisdom. If you want to grow up as a Christian believer, you definitely need wisdom. It is an acquired taste. Wisdom is for those who want to be better friends and get rid of credit card debt and get their life back from doom scrolling on Instagram and Facebook. Wisdom is for those who want to learn how to not be so sarcastic and, and want to learn how to speak good and blessing. Wisdom is for people who want to grow in what it means to be a person. 
It's an acquired taste. But once, maybe this has happened to you too, once you discover that vegetables are really actually good and you work the high fructose corn syrup out of your life and then you start acquiring adult mature palate for coffee and other things, you really don't want to go back. And that's the way wisdom is. Wisdom is so compelling. Listen, wisdom is so compelling that when you taste it, you just, you're like, man, this is the better way. Verse 10, so welcome wisdom into your heart. That's what I want to ask you to do today. I just want to ask you to start right there, kind of at ground zero, start over, and would you be willing to welcome wisdom into your heart and discernment and knowledge would be pleasant to your soul and it will start to do things for you, guard you, protect you, change you, all that are kind of worked out in the rest of this chapter. But you're going to have to welcome it into your heart. And one of the best ways to welcome the wisdom of God into your heart is by welcoming Jesus Christ, who is the wisdom of God, who is the word of God, welcoming Jesus into your heart and soul. In fact, the most sure and certain way to welcome wisdom into your heart is by inviting Christ into your heart.